As we are approaching Shavuos, let's explore a description of the event that led to Matan Torah. The word is written in the Gemara Shabbos Peches Amud Aleph. The Gemara quotes a pasuk, and Bnei Yisrael stood, literally translated, under the mountain. Actually, Rashi writes, literally under the mountain. How is it possible to be under the mountain? We would think that it means they gathered at the bottom of the mountain. But Rashi clarifies, no, they were under the mountain. What does it mean? The Gemara continues, that Abarev Abdimi Bachama Bachasa Melamed Shekava Kadosh Bochu Alem Esahar Ki Gigis Ve'omar lahem im atem mekablim atoira muta ve'im lav shom tekvuraschem This is to tell you that Kadosh Bochu picked up the mountain on top of the Bidei soil like a barrel and he told them if you are going to accept the Torah then it's good and if not this will be your burial place. In other words, I'll just put down the mountain and uh, you will be under it. says, well, from this, Bnei Yisrael would have a claim, a very strong claim, uh, about the circumstances in which they accepted the Torah. Meaning that if they will be um, judged for not practicing the Torah, they would always be able to say, well, sorry, I didn't really mean it. I was forced into it. So then what's the meaning of having accepted the Torah when, in fact, we've been forced to do so? Answers the Gemara, Amarava, Afal Piken, Hodur, Kibluha, Bimeach, Nevertheless, they have accepted the Torah again in the days of Purim. As it is written, What does it mean? They have practiced or, or validated and accepted. They have now validated what they have accepted then at the time of Matan Torah. In other words, at the time of Purim was the completion of accepting um, the Torah. And over here, again, Rashi tells us that uh, at the time of Purim, they received it, they accepted it. They, they took it, they accepted the Torah out of love because of the miracle that was done to, for them. Of course, the question over here is obvious. Um, the Bnei Yisrael have said, Nasa Nishma a day before. The way it is explained the Gemara just a page earlier, it turns out that a, a day before that, the Eden have already said Nasev Nishma. Then it comes the day of Matan Torah, and they have saying Nasev Nishma means we're unconditionally accepting the Torah. Then what was the need to pick up the mountain? If the Eden have already accepted the Torah, why do we need to threaten them? Are you going to accept it? or else I'll drop the mountain when they have accepted it already with, with no precondition of understanding. And moreover, as I mentioned before, how meaningful is 
Matan Torah if it was really something that was forced upon us. So Toysfus asked this question. And the uh, answer that is brought in Toysfus is that when the Bnei Yisrael accepted the Torah, they didn't really know what they were getting into. Once the moment of Matan Torah came about, and they saw, they saw Koyles of Rakim, they saw there was thunders and lightning and smoke and fire and loud voice coming from heaven, they have um, the, the cold feet, as we call it. They decided, perhaps, this is really, really significant. We have committed to something that seemed to be so serious because it's coming from such a place that is so um, awesome. And if we are going to transgress it, we'll be in real trouble. So maybe we, we want to go back on this acceptance. So David picked up a mountain and he says, uh, no, you can't. You too, you accepted it. Now that you really want to... You really want to go back on your acceptance? Because if you do, um, then I'll just drop the mountain. All right. This answer is not entirely satisfactory to the fact that did they accept it or not? How meaningful is it? If the Torah was given by force, when the Midrash is telling the praises of the Yidden that all the other nations didn't accept it and the Yidden accepted it. Well, they were forced to. What does it really mean? The Ebbe offers the following explanations. Firstly, begins with uh, the fact that as much as a son wants something from his father, his father wants to give him a lot more. What it means is that a son views his father um, with the lens of his own understanding. So therefore, the set of values that a, a son has is not as great as what the father has. Then the son could only want what he understands is good, or what he values. And of course, a child uh, will value perhaps uh, attention, time, candies, presents, whatever it is. As we get older, we value from our father pretty much the same thing, just at, at a higher level. But always, it will always be from the perspective of the son, meaning what he wants from the father is limited to the scope of the son's understanding and set of values. On the other hand, the father, who knows a lot more, what is there to give to the son? Things that the son will not even think about asking because he doesn't really know about the things. So what the father wants to give is even more than what the son is asking for. Now, they say Naseh Nishma, meaning they have accepted the Torah. 
They have accepted the Torah and they want to receive it and they want to practice it. But their acceptance is still limited to the degree of their Hasoga. What do they really understand about the Torah? HaKadosh Baruch on the other hand, what the Ebesha wants to give is a lot more than what we are willing to accept. Not just what we are willing to accept. But what we are aware that there is to accept. So therefore he picked up the mountain. Picked up the mountain is, of course, physically picked up the mountain, but it's really a symbol, an image of saying he wants to give us from above even more than what we have willingly accepted. Something that is only able to be given from uh, the point of knowledge and understanding that is above ours, as we'll continue to explain. Um, there was a, a time in which the Rebbe would eat the meals of Shabbos and Yom Tev in the Felik Rebbe's apartment that went on until the Rebetzin Hamadina's passing. And then there, there would be guests at the table, and it would always be the opportunity to ask questions. Sometimes it was the guest's question, sometimes it was the other people who told the guest to ask a question, and the Rebbe would answer. Generally, the Rebbe wouldn't talk much during the meal, the answers would be very short. And there was a shvuest of Shinlamed. At the table, Rashag asked this very question to the Rebbe. And he said, it's interesting because the night before, Rashag asked the Rebbe what day was, uh, uh, did I say Nasevi Nishma? And then you see it was before. But then he asked the Rebbe, if they didn't say Nasevi Nishma a day before that, why was it necessary to pick up the mountain? They have answered him in order for them to reach Avarabo. A one liner. I'll explain soon. Rashag asked, but why did they need that? They already reached a very high level in which they have received after saying Nasev Nishma, two crowns, meaning that they have already reached the highest point. Do they really need to go higher as a hachana to Matan That wasn't hachana enough? They needed Avarabba? The Rebbe answered, without it, there couldn't be Anoichi Avaye Lekecha. Let me explain the Rebbe's short answer. Let's elaborate on this a little bit. Before that, I just want to tell you, the Rechagav, just in passing, one of the guests who was there, said at the table, after the Rebbe answered, he said that the Musarnikis, the Bali Musar, write that um, it wasn't Kipshutoi. The Rebbe didn't pick up the mountain. The Rebbe put them in a position in which he showed them the Torah and they felt like they will die if they don't accept it. Meaning, without the Torah, there would be no life, no real life. So it was kind of 
forcing them by showing them that the Torah is is like so necessary to your life that it's as if I'm telling you, well, you know, if you're not getting this, if you're not accepting this, you would have no life. Of course, that still doesn't answer the questions that we asked before. Um, but, you know, they already accepted it. So then what's the point? But when that person said that, the Rebbe exclaimed, he says, why would anybody say that he wasn't Kipshutai? It's clearly written in the Gemara. He picked up the mountain. Why would anybody suggest that he wasn't really picking up the mountain? For sure, he picked up the mountain. Anyways, let's go back to uh, explaining it. What is Avarabo? And why was it a necessary preparation to Matan Torah? And how does this Avarabo connect to picking up a mountain? If anything, it would be more like a Yiro, a Yiro that comes from above, which, which Agav Deba also said that it wasn't not only Avarabo, but it was also a Yiro at Matan Torah. But how do you connect picking up the mountain with Avarabo? So let's begin with talking about this concept of Avarabo. You learn in Tanya, it was recently in the Chitas, that there is two types of love of the Eivishter. There is one love, one level of love we call Avasoilam, and the higher level we call Avarabo. Avasoilam is the kind of love that we could reach through our Hisbainanus, meditating, deeply thinking about Hashem's greatness. But that's limited to our understanding of what is Hashem's greatness. How do we relate to Hashem? Relate to Hashem the way by looking at how, what is created. Uh, the Abish created the world, and is Mechayan, Mehave, all the Elamois, and all the Buruim, and so on. This is Bainanus is bringing us to, uh, to a love for Hashem, in which we see how great He is and how much we want to be close to Him. But this love is limited in many ways. Firstly, it's limited to our ability to grasp, which means that as much as we understand of the Abish, that's how much love we're going to get. And frankly, that can't be too much. Moreover, besides for our own limitations of understanding what is the Abishta, all we could get is the understanding or acknowledging the presence of the Abishta within the world, which this in itself is a very limited understanding of what the Abishta is. So that, as a result, is a very limited love. And that's what we call it, Avasoilam. Also, Mitzad, how is Misgali in the Oilam? It's also Mitzad that what you see is really an Elam Vester. The Evishter really is more, is, is concealed within the Oilam. Higher than that is Avarabo. Chsidis explained that Avarabo is a love that cannot be a result of Yuris Bainunus because that is limited is a love that comes as a matona, a present. It's something that comes from above. It is given to you. After you have reached a certain level of love that is a result of your own effort, then the Abishta sends, opens up our heart 
to be able to fill that avarab. It's not given to everybody. But the mile of this is that this avarab is an avarab that is unlimited. Firstly, because it is a present that comes in a mile. And therefore, it is bligvul. And mostly because it is not dependent on your ability to understand or acknowledge or recognize the presence of the Avishter within the Elamis. Something goes way beyond that. So now we could understand how Ava Soilam is more linked to Nasev and Ishma. The Yidden accepting the Torah on their own. This is their own will. And picking up the mountain over them, meaning something that is not dependent on their choice at all, or on their own achievement, but something that is given from above, that is the Avarabo. And that is what picking up the mountain over them represents. And now how does it connect to Anoichi Hashem Elokecho? That the Rebbe tells Rashag that without this Avarabo there could not, there could not be Anoichi Avai Elokecho. In a nutshell, Anoichi refers to the Atzmus. Avai Elokecho that should be felt inside of us, that is our, not just our God, but our Koyach, our Chayes, that the Blig Vul, Anoichi, the infinite, should be felt inside of us, limited, finite people, that could only come Milemailo. That has to come from a gilui that is not commensurate to our effort. And therefore, this gilui of picking up the mountain, the Avarabba, is what is making it possible, setting the stage for this accomplishment of Anoichi Avai Lekechon, the Aseres Adibres, Elokus, permeating Now we understand what I mentioned before that the Rebbe had said in different opportunity, in different gathering, where the Rebbe said that whole comparison between how much more the father wants to give to the son than the son really wants from the father. That's exactly the point. We said Nasev and Nishma. That was our, the scope of our understanding. That's all we wanted. That's all we knew. We didn't know better. We weren't aware of the level of the Avarabo. Comes the Abishir and says, Ah, look at you, Nasev and Nishma. I'm giving you two crowns. You know what? At this point, you deserve the great Gilui that comes Milamailo. And this was expressed by picking up the mountain. Just to continue on this, 
idea. There is a mimer where the Rebbe talks about this in passing. The Rebbe is talking about something else. But then he mentions a pasuk. He answers the question that we have based on a pasuk that we just read last Shabbos at the end of Pasha's Behar, Behar Sinai, connected to what we're talking about now. The Torah says, Hashem says, Kili b'nei Yisrael avadim avadayhem. To me the b'nei Yisrael are enslaved, they are my, my slaves. There is an obvious repetition within the same pasuk. One word after the other, it's a repetition. You could have just said, Kili b'nei Yisrael avadim. You could have just said, avadayhem. Why do you have to say, Kili b'nei Yisrael avadim avadayhem? So the Rebbe explains that in fact there are two types of slaves. But before that, let's talk about the devotion. There is a level of the father and the son. We mentioned that before. The connection that the, the son has to the father is a love that is inherent and perhaps unconditional, but it's really a matter of choice. There is a certain relationship that father has with son, hopefully a good one, that means that the son really is devoted to the father. But at the same time, the son still has that autonomy in which he could decide not to listen to the father or even to cut ties with, with the father. It is his choice. On the other hand, there is a slave. The slave doesn't have that inherent attachment to the master, the way the son has to the father. But he has another mile. He has a mile of bitul. He's not doing this because it feels good. He's serving the master because he has to. As a matter of fact, because he has no say in the matter. That, those two things, those two approaches, I'm talking about our relationship with the Eibishter, is basically the difference between doing mitzvahs because that's what we want and it feels good to be close to the Eibishter. It's our father. But it's still our choice. Or doing it with Bitul. We have no mitzvahs. It says, Kol Whatever the slave would acquire actually belongs to the master. He doesn't have his own will. He doesn't have his own property. He doesn't have his own mitzvahs. His own mitzvahs is that he is the servant to his master. This is a great milah. Because in such circumstances, when one does a mitzvah with bitul, so then there is no negotiation available. There is no time, no downtime. Which could be the case between father and son. But then within the slaves itself, there is a second type of slave. That first, there is the first type of slave, which is someone who has sold himself, whether he was in debt or he, whatever reason, he needed to sell himself. 
Then there is another type of slave, which is Mecharuhu Beisdin. The Beisdin sold him. Why did the Beisdin sold him? The example that is given is uh, somebody stole something and he has to pay it back. And not only has to pay it back, there is some punitive damages that he has to pay as well. There is a fine. Sometimes if it's an animal, it could be four times or five times as much, depending if he killed it or not. Um, or two times if it's a different type of animal. And that could run into a lot of money. Obviously, the man was poor. He stole because he needed the money. Let's hope that's why he did it. And now he got caught and he needs to pay back so much more money he doesn't have. So the base din sells him as a slave for the amount that he owes, meaning for the time he will be enslaved for the time that until that obligation and fine is paid up. So they're both kinds of slaves are slaves. They both really represent Bitul. But the first one, he has Bitul because he sold himself. In other words, he decided to have Bitul. The second type of slave, he has Bitul because he has no choice in the matter. Now, in our relationship with the Eivishter, that will represent a bitul bimtzis, not only a bitul ayesh. I exist and I am an entity. I am a distinct entity on my own. And yet I chose to annul myself, to nullify myself. But then there is another level higher than that, is that I have no entity of my own. I am entirely the Abishter servant. Obviously, the devotion is much greater. So now, let's put it in a timeline. The Ebeshter takes us out of Mitzrayim. He calls us his sons. We have that relationship, that closeness and devotion to the Ebeshter as a son. We sing him a shira, we praise him for what he did. It's very nice. But then we refine ourselves for 40, 49 days. We get to the point of Matan Torah and we realize after all this refinement that after all it's not about us. It's about serving the Eivishter. So we reach the level of a slave. And we say, Na We will do even without, before understanding. Complete bitul. But that was our choice. So we have reached a nice level of an evet. But the Eivishter wants to give us more. Remember, we said before, as much as the son wants, the father wants to give him more. The Eivishter wants to give us more than just the bitul that is limited to our choice. The Eivishter wants us to reach the level of the second avadim. The one that was sold by the base din, who had no say in the matter. So therefore he picks up the mountain and he says, are you going to take it? You don't really have a choice. And then we reach the highest level of being avid. Wasn't our decision and therefore the bitul is completely ultimate. Now this bitul was the source of the Mesus Nefesh that Yidin had throughout the generations. To be able to be Mesir Nefesh, 
means that you annul yourself completely. You really don't matter. What matters here is your Avaida, not your Metzias. And that is what makes it possible to have Mesus Nefesh. And that's why the Gemara said at the end of this segment, the Gemara says, but Afal Piken, Hadar They have received it again, they have accepted it again in the time of Achashverosh, in the time of Purim. Time of Purim in which Yidin stood in a tnu of Mesus Nefesh for almost a year. They were willing to be Mesus Nefesh not to go out of the klal of being called Yehudim. Where did they get the koyach for this Mesus Nefesh? They got it at that point in Matan Torah when the Eivish they picked up the mountain. And actually Rashi says, Me'ahavas hanes. Avarabo. By the way, Nes means elevated, not just miracle. Avasanes, the higher love. Higher love that ever mentioned before, that is being reachable only from a Gilui that comes Milemailo. So this is what really happened. This was the last moments right before Matantoira. And every year, we're getting the Torah again, and we're getting this Giluim and this Koiches again. And now we are a little bit before Shavuos. It is the time to get ourselves ready to be able to draw, catch on on this Giluim, and get the Koyach that we need to have this special relationship with the Eivishter.